Welcome to another podcast session on winning words, speaking life to influence others. This is Ross Jelseth, and thanks for being with me, with us. Today, I want to talk to you about, I want to share with you in a topic which I have titled Lessons Learned. So, this is my collection of fundamental lessons that over the course of almost seven decades of living, 35 years as a football coach, 26 years as a headmaster of a school, uh, eight years as an elected official in the city of Tacoma, a husband, a father, a grandfather, and lots of living, so to speak, in almost my 70 de- or seven decades. So in that regard, I simply want to share with you seven lessons that I've learned over the course of my lifetime. Some have been learned by listening. Some have been learned by doing. Some have been learned by uh, living life, so to speak. Um, Some have been uh, fun, so to speak. Some have been challenging. But the sum total of the seven are lessons learned. So here we go. The first one is hard work works. I don't know about you, but in my lifetime, I have found that the harder I work, the better things work out. Now, that does not mean that I'm professing that you need to be a workaholic. I believe in balance in all things. But speaking of all things, if all things are going to be somewhat equal, I would suggest to you that hard work becomes a part of leading an effective life. I was fortunate, I guess I could say, by being raised on a farm and Our farm was a large farm in North Dakota, but it was what I call a comprehensive farm. In today's farm economy, so many farmers across the United States of America are simply crop farmers, so to speak. There are some that have ranches that raise cows or sheep or some kind of an animal, and that's their focus, that's their niche. However, the farm I grew up on was comprehensive in that not only did we raise crops, but we also raised cattle. We had chickens, we had pigs, we had horses. So when I say a comprehensive farm, you know what it boiled down to? It meant more work. There was never really an off season, so to speak. So as I reflect back on that, Work was a part of our daily routine. We could not decide on a Tuesday, well, we're not going to milk the cows on Tuesdays. Reality is, if you have milk cows, which we did, that meant early in the morning and after working in the crops and the fields all day, we came home and we milked the cows at night. Cows need to be milked twice a day and there's no getting around it. So whether you were tired from having a tough day working in the fields 
or not, when we got home, milking the cows was a part of the daily routine. In the summertime, when crop farmers had a break because they were waiting for their crop to mature and then get ready for harvest, our summers, particularly the month of July and early August, were filled with haying. Putting up hay for our cattle in the wintertime for feed. So there was no six weeks of July and early August waiting for harvest. Instead, every day was filled with putting up hay, so to speak. So, and that was grueling, difficult work. The same is true when we get to fall, we'd harvest the crops, but then we had to prepare for winter and winter meant we were gonna move the cows home, so to speak, prepare the barns, prepare everything that winter brings when you raise cattle. In the winter time, we had to feed the cows Every day, feed the horses, feed the chickens, feed the pigs. That was a part of work. Now, it had benefits because in the fall of the year, we typically would sell cattle. We'd sell crops. In the spring, early spring of the year, we'd have baby calves born, which became the future part of the herd or gave us more stock to sell, so to speak, in terms of beef cattle. But my point is, growing up on a farm, I learned that hard work worked. In order for my father and my mother to successfully run a farm slash ranch operation year round, they had to appreciate the value of hard work. So fast forward, I grew up loving athletics and the only way I got to be a decent athlete, competitive in sports, was because I was willing to work at the game, so to speak. I remember a basketball hoop put up on the side of the garage on our farm. And I literally would go out there almost every day and shoot baskets, whether it was the heat of summer or the cold ice of winter. To me, practice was a part of getting better. I could not expect to be a decent basketball player if I did not practice in all types of weather. So there again, practice to the point where it almost felt like work, but hard work works. In my career as a football coach, a teacher, the head of a school, I found that hard work working helped me become successful. It helped me overcome challenges. It helped me surround myself with people that were also willing to work. I remember long administrative team meetings when I was the headmaster of Life Christian Academy. We had difficult decisions to make, but we weren't sitting there watching the clock. Why? Because we knew that hard work, deep concentration, continued conversation, looking for solutions, creating opportunities, impacting students, providing jobs for faculty and staff, a lot of that was a lot of work behind the scenes. 
So the first one I will drop to you is hard work works. It's a lesson that I've learned and it's a lesson I've appreciated. Number two, and this is one that my dad used to use back to the farm situation again. He would say the animals don't run the farm. Now, what was he saying with that? He was saying that as the owner of the farm, he needed to make decisions. He and my mother together made decisions. And timely decisions were so essential to running a successful farming operation, ranching operation. So his analogy that the animals don't run the farm, I've used over and over again. At some point in leadership, a leader needs to make decisions and he or she can get all the input they want, which is great. I highly encourage that. But at some point in time, a leader cannot be in a situation and I hesitate between words here simply because I'm creating for you, like what's he gonna say next? A leader can't put off making decisions. A leader needs to be able to take ownership and responsibility and make forthright decisions based on what they know, what they've learned, what they feel is in the best interest of the organization. They can't depend on other people to come in and make decisions for them. The leader has an instinct and the leader needs to accept responsibility for running the farm, so to speak, running the organization. I'll give you another little analogy here. As a parent, for God's sakes, you can't depend upon your children to discipline themselves. That's a parent's responsibility. Now I'm talking about love and correction as a form of discipline. But a parent needs to instill that. The children will not provide discipline for themselves. So the second one is the animals don't run the farm. Leaders take ownership and responsibility. They accept responsibility. They want to be accountable. The third one is most games are lost. More games are lost than won. By that, if you look at so much of life, you have two teams playing or two individuals playing. And during the course of the game or a match or life, this is true of as well. But I've seen it so many times in athletics where you've got two teams playing and one wins. Now, sometimes the one that wins made some great plays to win. But sometimes they were given the win because the other team figured out a way to lose. Here's an example. In 1985, our University of Puget Sound football team had lost our first game of the year. Our, we were so anxious to get to our second game because we needed a win. And in football, college football, you wait seven days between games. So after you've lost, it's like, God, next Saturday never gets here. But it does. And we played our second game that year against Southern Oregon University. 
And they had a good team. But I never will forget, early in the game, one of their players ran down the sideline with the football, and he was going to score. There was no one to stop him. But you know what happened? For whatever reason, he fumbled the ball with nobody touching him. And the ball, he was running along the sideline. Where did the ball go? The ball rolled out of bounds. So the play was dead. You know what? Southern Oregon never scored on that drive. We went on to win the game. That play happened in the first quarter. But when we watched the game film as a coaching staff, the next day after the game, and watched that play, we remarked, that play was indicative of that team figuring out a way to lose. We won the game, but that play where they did not make that touchdown, and that young man did not hang on to that ball, that contributed greatly to our getting the win. More games are lost than won. And if you look at life, you'll see people's decision-making. Poor decision-making equals poor results. Very difficult to make a bad decision based upon information or lack of information and hope that something good is going to come out of a bad decision. More games are lost than won. The fourth lesson I've learned, and this has been a lifetime of learning, it is this. Build relationships to build your future. Build relationships. Build here is a verb. You and I need to work at relationship building, relationship creating, relationship fostering, relationship Caring, the stronger you build relationships, the stronger your future will be. We are a function in many ways in life. The sum total of our relationships tell us so much about a person. And positive relationships with positive people give you momentum every day. So building relationships to build your future, <clears throat> irregardless of what position you're in, how many people you know, the stronger the relationships are that you build, that you are intentional about building, the stronger your future will have. If you look at a bank statement, the bank statement, when it comes to you, shows how much money you have in the bank. In order to have more money in the next month's statement, you need to put more in than you've taken out. The same is true when it comes to relationships. Fulton Buntain, who I've cited in other podcasts, used to say this, the better you love, the better you live. The stronger your relationships, the stronger your future. You could be creating a brand new relationship this week that could become a key part of your future. 
I have people, and I'm sure you do, people that I now enjoy a wonderful relationship with. But you know what? That relationship is 30 years old. But some of the relationships I enjoy now in 2020 are relationships that were formed five years ago. So building relationship is a constant, but the better you build them, the more you're investing in your account, so to speak, the more relationships you will have in your relationship account, so to speak. So I use the example of the bank statement. Invest more than you're taking out. In other words, put more into relationships than you're expecting to get back. It will be a blessing. Number five, most people quit before they reach their breakthrough opportunity. Simply stated, visualize going on a path. You're not exactly sure how far the destination is from where you are, but you're willing to get on the path. So you start out and you know that at, at your destination, there's something there for you. That's why you're going. But along the way, you start to get bored. It's not going as quickly as you thought it would. There's bumps in the road. There's stop signs. There's construction. There's a broken piece of road. A flood came. There might be a car stalled along the way. In other words, the journey, the path is getting more difficult. And initially, the first thing that happens that's a little negative, you kind of work your way through it and you continue on. But eventually, you get to the point where, wow, this is really difficult. So most people let difficulty prevent them from getting to the breakthrough. Think about the analogy of the path or the road again. Let's say the topography includes some hills and valleys. It could be that right over that hill is the opportunity, is your destination. But if you don't get over the hill, you'll never see the destination. And unfortunately, so many people quit before they reach their breakthrough. Had they continued on a bit longer, they would have reached their breakthrough opportunity. In other words, the door would have opened, the gates would have opened, they would have gotten to their destination. They're so close, but they gave up too soon. So most people quit before they reach breakthrough. Let me encourage you, set your goals high and realize from the outset that reaching and achieving a high goal is not going to be easy. If it was, everybody could do it. Set your goals high and seed them with determination that you're going to reach the breakthrough point. I am very close now to having my book, Winning Words, published. You know what? We're getting closer every day to two years worth of hard work on that book. 
many people would like to write a book. I've heard people say, oh, yes, I want to write a book. Yes, I thought about writing a book. I just haven't gotten around to it. If I were to tell them what will take you at least two years to write and get your book published, how many of those same people are going to continue to say, yes, I'm going to write a book? Several right there, when they hear it takes two years, they're going to stop. They're going to give up on even thinking about writing a book. Why? Because they let the obstacle of hard work and challenge get in their way and they never reach the breakthrough point of put, picking up a pen and beginning the writing. The next one is one I used in coaching for a long time. And it speaks a lot about the game of football, but it speaks a lot about life. And it is this. Prepare for the worst, but expect the best. Prepare for the worst, but expect the best. You can apply this to so many areas of life. Every day we're preparing for a future. We'd love the future to be blessed every day, filled with opportunity, receiving the blessing, receiving affirmation, receiving positive outcomes, showing a profit on a profit loss statement, increased sales if you're in the sales business, increased service if you're in a service industry. In other words, we want more, more, more. But the reality is too, we need to prepare for tough economic conditions. We need to set aside funds so that in the event things don't go well, sales drop, difficult to find good people, whatever it might be. In other words, you're preparing for the worst. So create a plan knowing that difficulty will show up. With that, however, while you're prepared for the worst, it doesn't mean you focus on the worst. You're preparing for it, but your mindset is you're expecting the best. So the best people, while they're preparing for the worst, they're going to be ready for the worst if and when it shows up. Quite likely it will. But their mindset is they're expecting the best. In other words, their persona is one of optimism, of belief, of faith that they are going to do well that things are going to work out, that the last chapter of the book is going to be a happy chapter. Two more. Keep the faith, dismiss fear. So many people that I come in contact with can use more faith and less fear. Fear makes cowards of us all. Fear causes anxiety. Fear has a tendency to bind us up, so to speak, to wrap our arms up so we cannot function. Fear puts us in neutral. Fear may even put us in reverse. Fear causes us to 
second guess ourselves or second guess someone else. Oh, that won't work. That'll never work now. That never worked before. It won't work now. That's a function of seeing fear and seeing a negative outcome. So we want to dismiss fear. Do not let fear creep into your mind. Instead, increase your faith factor. Keep the faith, dismiss fear. How do you keep the faith? Well, faith is like so many other things in life. You've got to cause increase in your faith. Winners remember past wins. Part of growing your faith, whether it's a faith in God, faith in your family members, faith in your friends, faith in your co-workers, wherever it is, faith is built on seeing the best in other people, seeing the best in what God would have for you, seeing a picture of the positive outcome, seeing the picture of the scoreboard, to use the athletic example, where your team has more points than the other opponent and the clock is running out. In other words, each second on that scoreboard your team is closer to a win. Well, the closer that that clock gets down to zero, the more your faith in the outcome becomes one of, we won. So keeping the faith is a function of adding to your faith quota and decreasing your fear quota. Keep the faith, dismiss fear. And the last one is teamwork works. There is in the Bible, there's the teaching that the three strands of a rope, three braids wound together, cannot be broken. That is really a reference to doing things together. My best friend Jerry Corm uses this expression, do not do business alone. Do not do business alone. Reach out to other people. Get insight, get perspective, get advice, give advice. Lean in on somebody else's challenge when you know they need help. Teamwork works. And here's a couple of key coaching points when it comes to building effective teams. Teams are built on solid foundations. Here's a couple of those solid foundations. One is a belief in your teammates. Teams become the outcome, the result of those people that are on the team. And one of the fundamental foundations is belief in your teammates. The second foundation is everybody has a role to play. There will be one head coach. There'll be assistant coaches. There will be players who are in the senior class. There are players who are in the freshman class. There's offensive players. There's defensive players. There's skill players. There's specialty players. The point is, there's several different roles on a team, but everybody has a role to play. And effective teams are teams where everyone knows their role. And they're willing to play their role to the 
best of their ability for the team. The team succeeds because a group of individuals come together, they believe in one another, they know their role, they play their role to the best of their ability, and collectively, all of those roles combined, working together, i.e. a crew team in their boat, so to speak, and they're going to race against other crew teams. Well, the combination of the right boat with the right crew rowing together wins the race, so to speak. You can have the right boat, but the wrong people in the boat or the people in the boat in the wrong positions, and they don't win. Can't blame it on the boat. Might be the same boat that the other team had that won. It's the people in the boat or the people in the boat didn't believe in each other or they didn't play their role. They didn't know their role. They weren't willing to accept their role. So teamwork works. So today, as I summarize this, this is simply, I feel in my life that I can give back to others. I'm at a point now in life where I have been the benefactor, so to speak, of some great lessons that I've learned. Did I realize 60 years ago that all these lessons were gonna become a part of my life? No, but now I can look back and I can in faith say to you, these seven lessons were helpful to me and I hope they're helpful to you. So thanks again for being with us on Winning Words, Speaking Life to Influence Others. God's very best to you, and we'll be with you again next week with another session.